Hey everyone, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 311, being recorded on July 30th, 2014. I'm Ryan Schraub. Jeremy Hellstrom. Josh Walbreth. And I'm Alan Valentano. Uh, it's been a week. It means we have to come back and talk to you guys again. It's a Wednesday night. This is what we do. Darn. Uh, we record this show on uh, Wednesdays at 10, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And uh, uh, it's at pcper.com slash live, which you can join us there. And uh, in particular today, it will be an interesting, interesting day to do so. Uh, by the way, if you want to be reminded oh, – hold on. If you want to be reminded when – we are going to go live. You can go to a wonderful webpage called pcper.com slash subscribe. If you do so, you get this wonderful page uh, that is our website, and uh, it has a little form on the page, name and email, and a submit button. And all you do is you fill that out, and you get added to a mailing list uh, where we send out emails about our live streamed events. It's all we use it for. We don't spam you with other stuff as much as Alan would like us to. Um, Josh Tech. Yeah, with lots of links to Josh Tech. Mm. Instead, we only use it for live streams, uh, which you know we will have. Uh, we will have quite a few additional live streams other than just our podcast coming up throughout uh, August and September. I will tease that little bit at, at the very least. Um, so we have that going for us. Uh, also worth noting here, uh, later in the show, if you look down at the rundown over there, nope, over there in the bottom, you see EVGA. It kind of says EVGA contest. You're going to want to stick around. We're going to have an EVGA contest for podcast uh, listeners. And part of it will only be accessible from people who are watching live. So you'll only be able to win if you're watching live. So uh, part of it, at least. So pay attention and stay tuned for all of that. Now let's get into uh, our content for this week because we had quite a bit. First thing we're going to do is talk with Alan about the Crucial M550 uh, this is a full capacity roundup of this SSD. Yep. Not a whole lot really necessarily to talk about because it's a controller we've kind of seen before. We, we looked at the same controller in the MX100. Um, yeah. But where the MX100, you had to buy it in the half a terabyte capacity to get really the full speed of that controller. The M550, yeah. uh, they use smaller capacity dies and more of them. So as you get to the smaller size, When sizes, you say that you're using more smaller capacity die, like how many... You're talking about the dies in the actual flash chip. The dies in the flash chips. Okay. So they're able to keep... You want to keep the die count higher mm-hmm. so that there's the ability to spread the data across more dies. Okay. Like the way that works is you can actually write to one specific die within a package. Mm-hmm. And the data goes into that buffer, but you have to wait for that to write to the flash Before you a certain amount of another. time. Yeah. So then if there's other dies available, right? Not so much the amount of packages that you see the amount of chips you see but right, how many right. dies are in them yeah that's that's what's always confusing i think is that there's the level that you can see and then there's yeah. a level inside of that right like essentially a processor would have like a heat spreader this is yep a, a packaging yeah for so the demand. so by using uh dies that are half of the they're 64 gigabit as opposed to 128 gigabit which mm-hmm. is the standard right per die so they're going with slightly smaller ones but then they can have twice as many right so then the fall off is you know, shifted down in the capacity of the SSD. Right. So these don't really fall off until you get to the 128 gig capacity. So 256 all the way up to like one terabyte is roughly the same, like iOS per second, that sort of stuff. 128 is where you do see the fall off, but the fall off is much less uh, noticeable than what the MX100s did. Okay. So. Where are these at in terms of like pricing then? Is it... Uh, so the pricing was, it was decent. Now realize this is like their... You know, 
this is their premium product. Right. Right. But the pricing was still good. And we actually saw, I don't know if it's jumped back up, but we saw, what was it, the, was it the one terabyte model that was insanely cheap? It was like 400. It was like, I think it was 439 at, yeah. the, at that time. Uh, let's see. Uh, Amazon has it listed for 399 now. Wow. It went down for like a terabyte? Yeah. It went 399. Down Utterly sick. Yeah. So, yeah, like 40 cents a gig. 39.9 cents. Well, I round up 40. <laughs> I round down because now it's under 40. No, okay. See? But still, it's a terabyte. <laughs> a terabyte for 400 bucks. One terabyte for $400. The 512 is 238. So for $160 more, you're doubling. Yeah. From 512 to if you're, It's like if you're already going to spend like over there. 300. Yeah. Then, 256 like is down to 139 and one. Or if you don't have the money, 140 is not bad. 128 to 75 bucks? Even, that's yeah. even cheaper now. That's gone down even yeah, more. Yeah, the 128 gig $75. And this is, this wow. is a drive. This is the one 550 reads, 350 writes. Uh, well, at the 256 and above, at least. Yeah. Right. The 128 is not so much slower Actually, than I would Actually, no, even... the 256 and above are 550 read, 500 write. It's the 128 that has the lower yeah. performance. That's where you start to notice yeah. that it does taper yeah, I'm off. I'm going to buy one of these for 399 that's a really good deal. It, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a terabyte for, for four hundred terabytes. Wow, it's good. That's awesome. That's 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 pretty impressive. So uh, now, with all that new news, how do you like the Crucial M five fifty series SSD? Uh, I liked them even before the crazy pricing. I mean, it's a yeah. very good performing drive. It's um, now realize there there is other stuff coming that can out you know outperform it like well, the the the. the, the Eight fifty Pro, Samsung eight fifty Pro. Sure, that's going to outperform it, but it's going to be a lot more expensive. Um, yeah, it is right now. It's more expensive than I that. Mean, for sure. So I'm just looking right now, like the eight the the eight forty Evo one terabyte is four forty three. Yeah. So four forty three versus three ninety nine. Which one would you pick? I would go three ninety nine. You would go eight three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. Okay, hold on. We're going to go again. Uh, okay, the eight fifty Pro is six ninety nine. Oh. Okay, so, so that's yeah, three hundred dollars no. more. Uh, and then uh, what do we got? Like the Intel seven thirty? Do they don't even really go that high? Do they seven thirty? Yeah. No, it's only a four eighty. Four eighty is yeah, four seventeen. Uh yeah, no. That's Man, like, that M five fifty looks better and better now. Yeah, it's a good performer. Yeah, yeah. What's the latest uh, OCZ one? Is that the Vertex one fifty? There's a one fifty a four. There's a four sixty. Four sixty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'm just kind of looking around, and now now I'm just curious. Yeah, there's the a 480 vector. gig vector 150 is 301, yep. and then Vertex 4. This, all of this is adding up to that crucial M550 for one terabyte for 399. Cheapest cost per gig, yeah. Yeah, it's probably just the cheapest cost per gig period for a terabyte right now. Yeah, because you what can't was get the, one, the what was the crucial before that? It was the 500. No, the M500. Yeah, but the 100 was like the 500 was the one that was really cheap. But it, was it was kind of like MX100, but they don't make that in a terabyte. Right, and so if you want to go back one, it's M five hundred. M five hundred nine hundred and sixty gig is four forty three. So now you're going up to the five fifty. You're getting extra capacity, it's and better performance, it's better performance, and it's forty five dollars less. Yeah. So if you want an SSD, what we're telling you it's is a good you way to go, go to Amazon, right now. Use our PC Perspective affiliate code. Go to PCPro.com, click that link yeah. in the right hand column, and then search for M five fifty. So how how far off is the half a terabyte model cost per gig? Of uh, which one? The 550? The M550, yeah. No, you're talking about the crucial M550? Yes, M550, half a terabyte. Uh, one terabyte, 399, half terabyte, 238. 
So wow, it's almost about like under fifty cents to so, under forty cents. So where I'm where I'm kind of you know going back and forth on that is a lot of people like to buy a pair of the next size down oh, I and see. raid zero them. You actually do get twice the performance. You're talking about four hundred and eighty dollars for a pair of five twelves versus just versus one, one terabyte for four hundred. So if you want to That's double, if you want to roughly double the performance, you would get. <laughs> You're spending an extra eighty bucks yeah. just to get the smaller size. Wow, yeah. that's hmm. interesting debate. Yeah, that is a tough call. So, okay, I mean, that's the crucial in five fifty then. Or just wait for another sale and buy another one terabyte, and then just rate zero those. <laughs> just buy two one terabytes. Now you just have two a, terabytes. Yeah, it's, don't be such a loser. Buy two four hundred dollar SSDs. Don't spend forty dollars extra. Spend four hundred dollars extra. Yeah, clearly. Like finally, finally, you get it. Now I understand. understand. I have the more you spend, the, the more you save. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, that's my else? wife's philosophy. No, that's that's pretty much it on that. I'm just shocked that they're that cheap. Uh, that's yeah. When we, when you first wrote that article, I think it was like 480. Yeah, for the one terabyte, which is yeah, still a really come good all deal. The, like we're gonna have to update the article again, probably, and put a little note just to say, hey, it's yeah. like it's going down even more. It's yeah. 400 bucks. Yeah, impressive stuff. Uh, moving on, uh, Steve posted a review of the Lenovo ThinkPad Yoga Convertible. Uh, this is the the Top yoga come down on that or what? Yeah, kind of, kind of oh. does. So the the yoga brand of products from Lenovo is the kind that you know has those four different modes, right? You have laptop oh, it mode, flips you have around tablet the mode, other way. you have tent mode, and yeah. then you have like stand mode, right? And this is the kind of the the introduction of that into the ThinkPad line instead of the IdeaPad okay. line, right? So this is more the business centric. Um, it's so be that's a supposed to be even build quality, yeah, even more durable, right? Yeah, better. The better keyboard design would be in the ThinkPad series. It's kind of tricky to be even more of a durable line and have a hinge that does a 180. Oh, wait, a 360, sorry. Yeah, they claim that they have done a ton of engineering on these hinges. And this is probably their fourth or fifth iteration of the yoga yeah, they've, they've been making that kind of hinge for a so while. So they've probably they've probably got to figure it figured out. Uh, specs wise, you know, you've got your standard Ultrabook specifications here: Core i5 4300, uh, Intel HD graphics, all integrated graphics. There, four gigs of memory. Uh, you do have it, a Samsung 840 Pro, 256 gig SSD. In wow, there, which is kind of nice. That's that is nice. Uh, it is a 12 and a half inch screen, so very similar to what I have here in front of me, but it is 1080p as opposed to this one being 1366 by 768. Uh, Windows 8.1, 47 watt hour battery. Uh, 802.11ac 2x2, so that's it's 2x2 it's, two two is good. Yeah, AC at 2x2 two two is yep. a lot of speed. I would say um, if you look yeah. at like some of these pictures of the form factor, it doesn't it doesn't have like the sleek sexiness of say like the ASUS ZenBook, right? Like it looks like a ThinkPad. Well, right. Well, still. It, somehow it doesn't quite look like a ThinkPad either, though. Like it's, it's got the bottom curved keys, and there's just the color scheme isn't quite right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Kind of almost looks like part of their idea pad series. Yeah. Well, you can't. Yeah. Okay, so you can't get that much of a sleek look out of this form factor specifically, like the yoga form factor, because. Well, no, you need a hell of a hinge. Well, no, it's not that. You can't taper. You can't get away with tapering the edge of the screen or the bottom edge of the laptop because you need to be able to flip it around the other way and have it sit flat. So it has to so be. You a, have a separation at the other side. Right. Otherwise, yeah. you'd have this weird gap, right? So it yeah. has to be yeah. like a brick. On the screen and sure, the and base. it's kind of unfortunately right. what it looks like. Uh, it's yeah. got the it's got the good ThinkPad keyboard though. If uh, this is kind of the most recent generation of it, um, you know the same one that again I have on my X two thirty that I use every day. Touch pads are maybe a little bit um, they have a little bit too much throw in them. Yeah, right. Then maybe some people are used to. I, I again am, am pretty used to that. Uh, this does have a stylus, an active stylus. That is used for touchpad interface. Um, you know, so it's using like more of a digitizer style thing under the screen. Yes. That the 
Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's one of the higher end style styluses huh. that you get. Not kind of like the passive stuff that we saw on like so the like actual table. handwriting on the screen kind oh, of yeah. stylus. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, battery life wise, let's see. Where's his graph down here? We're looking at uh, comparatively, you know, thirty about a full hour more than the ThinkPad T four forty. So how long uh, total? Well, the reader test is ten hours and forty minutes, and that is like bare minimum. Everything turned off, like not doing Wi Fi tests. It's just like if you're reading a you're document reading a book. in airplane mode with, you know. You have it not. You have it flipped brightness. around the other way. You're using it like a tablet, and you're reading a no, book. No, I'm sure it's flipped up like a standard laptop. Well, I mean, mode, but it would yeah. still be. But you could be doing that. Too. Yeah, you could be yeah. doing that. Um, but you know, this again, the way this is built, you can't. Have, you don't have uh, extra batteries. You can't change out the batteries. True. When you get into that, you can't have the batteries that stick out the back. You know, uh, if you look at like the T440 or the X240 with those external batteries, like the ones that do stick out, you're up to like 18 and 22 hours. Sure, but who's going to read a book for that long? It's just not. That's just nobody's. It's not about reading a book. I'm talking about that's representative of what the rest of the battery life situation would right. be for that machine. I so you just you. want higher is better there. Performance wise, it performs like an ultrabook. Like this is actually kind of devastatingly unexciting, right? If you uh-huh. look at T440 Yoga X240 Flex 14, like all these numbers are nearly identical. They're all very close. Yeah. Yeah. Is it uh, quad core? Dual. Yeah, core? it's a dual core hyper threaded. Okay. Part. Yeah. So you can see there's the 840 Pro at work. Oh, the SSD is, that's that's probably, I haven't seen that in really any Ultrabooks. Yeah. I'm just surprised to see that, like, not even the Evo. That's the Pro. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm surprised they didn't just use the Evo, but hey. All right. Hey, what are you going to do? Um, so not really a gaming device. Obviously, you could do some modest stuff, but but not much there. Yeah. Uh, Pricing-wise, $1,595. Uh, oh, how much? 1595 well, it is a you're it getting a you're yoga. getting you're getting the yoga, you're getting the ThinkPad, you're getting the stylus, you're getting the. Um, it's a business laptop. Yeah, it's a flashy and, and, business laptop. And again, laptop. this this actually the prices have probably gone down a little bit since he wrote this because I think it was in it was accidentally in my queue for longer than it was supposed to be. Um, so if you if you check around and you're looking at the prices of the ThinkPad Yoga, yeah, it, it, it may be significant. So this lower. is only integrated video, right? Only the HD. Oh yeah, forty six hundred or whatever. Forty four hundred in particular. Okay. Yeah. That is a pretty beefy looking hinge. It is. It is. You know, you, you add a little bit to the weight and stuff like this. It's about a half pound heavier than the other ThinkPads in that line. Yeah. Uh, just because of the construction differences. Um, you know, the RAM is upgradable, not soldered, which is not is less common in Ultrabooks than it should be. Oh, like both sticks can be removed? Mm-hmm. And wow, that's, mm-hmm. that is cool. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I work with a couple of people that have been ahead of the curve. They figure the laptops have done this for at least five years now, so... I'd like to give them one of these because it actually won't break. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I get it. I see what you did there. Um, so check that review out if you're interested in uh, kind of that style, that class of uh, laptop. Moving on to other things. We talked about it uh, for a while last week, so we won't do a whole bunch more here. But we did actually do a review of the uh, NVIDIA Shield tablet. This is the Tegra K1-powered uh, device. From NVIDIA, um, designed and built by NVIDIA, we did a review, we did a video of it with a lot of detail and um, some of the features and technology. I guess the the quickest part to go over here is that in terms of it being a tablet, it's actually a pretty pretty damn good Android tablet. Uh, it's a little bit on the expensive side at two hundred ninety nine dollars if you're just if you're only going to use it as kind of like a media consumption tablet. 
Uh, I am a big fan of and continue to be, despite complaints from other people, fan of the front-facing speakers. It just makes sense to have front-facing speakers Who's on complaining about front Well, or he, then you can just He's break always saying thing. it's not necessary. He likes to hold his hand around the back so that the sound... I don't but, have to do that. But then you have to cup to I do don't, that. I don't, I don't, stop I, cupping the tablet. I don't... I never cut my phone. It just is Well, loud then you're just enough. sending... Like, if you have speakers in the back, you're just sending the audio towards the people that don't want to hear it. But it is... Good. So, wait. Are they, are they on the side? Where, where are they? The speakers are oh, that's right the speaker. here. Like, yeah, they're, they yeah. are... Along on the, on the, the edge. bezel of the edges, yeah. That's, yeah, that's so that you're actually getting actual stereo. Now, what it does do is it adds length to it, right? So okay. if you didn't have those speakers, in theory, you could make it a little bit more narrow. Maybe. Right? But they I, put, I would they prefer, put the, like, the webcam and yeah, stuff? Yeah, they would. Was, but they know. can maybe put that on this part of the bezel or something. But sure. I think the sacrifice is worth it. The, the industrial design on it is a little bit better than on the Tegra Note 7. It also has a stylus, but this is a passive stylus, Okay. right? Um, but it's we went over that in the Tegra Note 7. Oh, it's, it's the uh, capacitive tip kind yes. of? Yes, okay. but it's actually pretty good for that. Um, but hmm. I'm not a big stylist person, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about it. The My main complaint about the design of the tablet as a whole is the fact that the mini HDMI port, if you look at, uh, if you look at this picture on the review, the mini HDMI port and the USB port, these two right here, are too close together. Um Ooh, that's a wow! That's a really big picture. Uh, wow. There, there they go. are. Um, if you have a so you if you want to plug it into power and hook it up to a TV, which you would want to do if you're hooking it up to a TV, so you don't run out of battery, uh, the cables can interfere here, especially if you're using like a mini HDMI to HDMI converter to for a regular HDMI cable. You know those kind of like little bit become a little bit wider it becomes wider yeah yeah and it can interfere with your ability to actually plug in the usb connection which is problematic um that's the only design complaint i have uh you know ken was actually saying today that he was surprised how how not thicker this was than the nexus 7 yeah right like it looks that way because it's kind of got boxy edges yeah, it's not, not really. tapered in the same way that a Nexus 7 is, mm-hmm. uh, but in terms of you know maximum height, Z height versus maximum Z height, it's, a, it's, it's pretty much the same. Um, has a cover, again, that works kind of like the iPad covers, kind of like the, next, uh, the Tegra Note 7 covers. Except it has like a couple of notches that actually yeah. go into... Yeah, they're magnetic. It's like tab A and slot B. Yep. With a um, magnet. So it, it works as like the standard cover would uh, would work, but it also acts as a stand. Um, the other big deal, obviously, with launching with this is the controller, the Shield controller. Shield wireless controller, I guess I'm supposed to say. Uh, and it's a really well-built controller. I like it a lot. Um, and it is basically the Shield portable, the original Shield controller, with some modifications and changes, but it feels very similar to that, right? So uh, you have built-in microphone on it. You have capacitive here. Let me actually go ahead and, and change the review page over to the to the next one here. Uh, and you can see that, like, on the back, you have your USB charging port because it is yep. wire. Or Although it does last. Like, included battery. Yeah, it's like literally weeks yeah. of, of battery life. It's like a regular rechargeable a, a game controller. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that audio port on the back is for stereo headphones and microphone, uh, which is cool because the controller uses Wi-Fi Direct rather than Bluetooth. It has enough bandwidth to like send audio back and forth. It's lower latency. Yeah. Um, so you basically can use it kind of like if you use an Xbox 360 or an Xbox One or PlayStation 4 controller where you have your headset hooked up and it's you know talking wirelessly to the uh, the tablet in this case. You've got a microphone up top here. 
if you don't have a headset and you just want to do voice commands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this button here is the shield button. takes you to the shield hub or shield experience zone or whatever they're calling it now. Uh, you've got your back button, your home button, and you'll kind of like your start button. Uh, this is a touchpad, actually, like a clickable like a like a like a clickable touchpad yeah for if you have games or applications that need you to use a mouse or, or uh, you know emulate using a touchscreen for some particular reason you can use that it's not a it's it's a it's a fine touchpad it's just really small you wouldn't want to use it for anything as your primary input method for it um, and then below that you have a volume rocker as well um, so as a tablet, it works great. As a as a like, I'm gonna take this with me on the go gaming machine. It works fine. the The benefit that the Shield tablet had over the, sh- or the benefit that the Shield Portable had over this new tablet is that it was one unit. The controller and the screen were in one. Yeah. If you were sitting on a subway or sitting on a bus, you could not do like you could you could just open up the screen and play. Yeah, but you couldn't do that with this. This is much more difficult to do. That, Trying to balance it on right? your lap like, while you're yeah, holding this. And... Either you have to lay it flat, and then the viewing angle is going to be pretty bad. Right. Or you're trying to like balance this on your lap, like you'd have to hold your legs close together and make sure that the tablet yeah. doesn't slip between them. And even fall like around. even like kids trying to use that in the back of a car, it would be harder. Like it's not really yeah. practical. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, need, you need one of those little stands <laughs> that holds it on the, the back of the headrest or something. Like you'd need. That's yeah. yours for just forty nine ninety nine. Yeah, yeah they made that. Yeah, yeah they made. They them. will. Yeah. But I, I so. just wonder, you know, is that really what they're going for? Because the first one, for sure, they were going for portability. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's a Game Boy killer, which is kind of sad because the Game Boy's dead. Uh, but this one seems more like going against <laughs> Xbox and PS4. Same price range when you buy the controller and the yeah. cover. And when you plug it into your TV, it's fulfilling the same function. Yeah, so the the I, I agree with you. The the kind of the main functionality I think is the console mode, where when you plug in that HDMI port into your TV, it, it'll run 1080p. Uh, it, it, the native screen, by the way, is 19 by 12, but it converts it to a 1080p. And it won't output. fake 1080p. No. It will do it. It actually doesn't. And then now you're able to play all of your Android games on TV. You've got your wireless controller uh, that has your. You'll be able to do anything on the tablet with the controllers you could do at the tablet itself, thanks to the touchpad and the kind of controls built onto it. Um, you can play your Android games. You can play, uh, you know, your game stream games that way. Yep. It's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting idea of, you know, if you've got that gaming PC upstairs, you don't want to haul it downstairs or run a really long HDMI cable. There is um, wireless signals going all over the place when you do yep. that. Yeah. So with this, you know, you can actually, you can use the USB port um, to you get a, a, a Ethernet connection. Hardwire Ethernet. Well, you can, too. but but I'm I don't just, think you really need like, to. I mean, we tried it. So it's kind of expensive if you think of it as just a game stream pass through device, right? True. But it does that as well as being a tablet. So yeah. you take it with you when you go to work or going out or whatever you need it for, yep. and you can just come back home and plug it in uh, and, and use it when you want. And to then it works way. like almost like a portable or like a extension of your PC console kind of thing. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the, the other big thing really is uh, the idea of these Tegra K1 specific designed games. Um, take, for example, Portal was originally released on the Shield. Well, originally released on the PC, but it came out on the Shield Portable originally. And that was not full. It was OpenGL ES. Right. Right. So Pared down OpenGL. Yeah. The, the, the version designed for Android and mm-hmm. iOS and that stuff to begin with. Right? They redesigned Portal, uh, re, re, recompiled, it. recompiled it really with first full OpenGL, yeah. with Portal and Half-Life 2. And those games are available only on Tegra K1 devices, uh, specifically the Shield And on tab. that, they look very much like the PC version. They look pretty much just like the PC yeah. version. Uh, and in fact, Ken actually booted up the Shield Portable and opened up Portal 
and we opened it up on both devices, and there was a noticeable visual difference. Of course, like no ref- there's like no reflections at all. And it's like something if you just see the ES version, you kind of, it would be easy to kind of go, yeah, that's kind of what I remember Portal being like. Yeah, right. And then but you no, play it on this, it's, night it's and like day. oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they have Trine Two, which is a PC first title. Um, and now it, it actually ships with it's pre-installed on every Shield tablet. It's a very, very good-looking game. Huh. Plays great on the controller. Uh, they have other games like uh, War Thunder, which I don't know why I'm so excited to play this because I've never played it before. Apparently, it's already available on the PS4. It's like an action flight sim type thing, MMO style, oh. and it's going to hmm. be available. It's already on the PS4. You'll be able to play it on this. And actually, I think they have. Uh, we saw an Oculus version of it was going to be available soon as well for the pc so they have you know there's a couple of other titles they've got the the talos principle uh, anomaly to some other stuff that these are games that were specifically specifically built for the tegra k1 soc not just android okay but the tegra k1 soc and i think i really believe that this is a like a super high quality combination of hardware mm-hmm. but the success of it depends on um, the ability for nvidia to get developers to sign on to making more of those games Right? Because that's really what was impressive to me in the week or two that I had it, right, was I hooked up the TV and I finished all of Portal. And it was a blast. It was fun. And it didn't feel like I was playing on a tablet. I didn't feel like I was playing, you know, a subset of what Portal should be. Right. Uh, I sat down and I played like two or three hours of Wolfenstein The New Order through game streaming. Mm-hmm through the tablet onto my TV with the controller. And I thought, this is actually a really, really good experience. Like, it worked really, really well. Um, but it's, I think if, it, if that's all you're going for, $299 is a hard price. Yeah. If you want just a tablet, $299 is a high price. If you want um, just Android games, I think the total is pretty high price. But if you want all of those things, it kind of makes sense. And I just don't know how big uh, that audience is going to be yet. You know, and I don't think the original Shield Portable was a super high success, um, so I think that's kind of explains they why they gave one or two of them away. They, they did definitely <laughs> one or two thousand. Uh, and million. you know, I, I think the fact that we don't see just a shield with a Tiger K one in it, and instead we see this tablet with a controller, yeah. is kind of like okay, that wasn't the hit that we wanted it to. Yeah, be. They let's didn't try just, a different method. Let's they didn't try, make a shield too. Let's try, a, and I'm not saying that they won't, but I don't think that they will because uh. they're obviously they're they're trying something else, and the tablet. That you can then turn into a gaming device as opposed to an only gaming device. Yeah, um, would be interesting. So, how long do we give them until there's just a headless Apple TV-like box <laughs> plug in and do game stream and all these Tegra K1 the Nvidia game stream? Well, just a box. Yeah, that would be interesting because if like you wanted that, to do just game stream, if you just wanted to do game stream, you don't mm-hmm. need a high-end SoC, right? Yeah. If you I hate want to say to do it though. K one games. I hate then to say it you though. You probably do you know half the price and do it. And if you, it's, if it's you use the same controller, if yeah. you only want to do game streaming, you can almost just like get a wireless HDMI thing. You could, you know, what I mean, because yeah, you just gotta have like your wireless keyboard and mouse, and that's the yeah. wireless. I, I think OnLive now has a product where you can stream your own PC games over the network to Android, so you, you could use that. Really? No. I no, think they not. do, actually. Not, do not, they? We're not going that round. No. <laughs> They're still around? They're not even allowed. They are still around. They still send tweets out. So I know that they yeah. can do that. Uh, oh, yeah. And also, I should say, you can stream to Twitch from this thing now. Yeah. So while you're doing game streaming and this controller is connected over Wi-Fi... 2.4 gig. Yeah. Well, no, 5 gig. It could be 5 gig. I think it's 2.4. Oh. 
Okay, well, but either, whatever. Wi-Fi Direct. It makes sense. Cut right? the uh, bandwidth in half. Yeah. So, Devote so essentially, like, if you hold down the back button on the the Shield tablet at anywhere, in, whether it be in a game or out on the on, controller, on the on the controller, yeah, uh, in a game or you know, in an, any application, you can bring up this little menu and it will allow you to sh- record locally or stream to Twitch. You know, and you can use your microphone and your headset that way. You can actually use the front-facing camera so you position your face on the stream. So you have a headset on the twit, with the microphone. The Twitch chat, and you can interact with them yeah. that way. You can have a headset on with a mic plugged into the back of the controller. Yep. Controller's talking to the tablet, Wi-Fi direct. Yep. So you have bi-directional communication going there. Then this thing is game streaming from your PC. So it is also receiving the stream from there. Yep. And then it's going out to your TV, HDMI or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you're also recording locally to this mm-hmm. and potentially Twitch streaming mm-hmm. with the overlay. So you're also using the webcam. Yep. And it's recording its own video. We did all with- of that. Like we, we, did a, we did a thing where we played Grid 2 and we did all of that stuff. That's a lot of and stuff. it worked. It got, you know, we maybe saw a little bit of a performance hit. Yeah, but it's, br- it's brand new. Like it yeah. just like a, there was a little bit of a buggy. I, I, think it, I, th- I still think it's impressive. Yeah. Again, I don't know how big the audience is going to be for people who stream to Twitch that want to do it through a tablet. You could you could do that while sitting on your couch. You could. Yeah, you can do that. I mean, it's it's, some, it's pretty cool stuff. Know. It really is. Uh, Performance wise, it's awesome. Like if you look at CPU uh, benchmarks, they're pretty good. GPU benchmarks are not comparable to anything else. Uh, but you are looking at two ninety nine for the tablet, thirty nine for the cover. And fifty nine for the controller. The cover price of thirty nine dollars is the one that's hard to eat. There, uh, the the tablet and the controller, yeah, probably. But for a piece of you know fabric with some magnets in it, thirty nine dollars is pretty steep. You are talking, as Jeremy mentioned, three ninety nine for the whole set. So yeah, I don't know. Check out the review. Um, you know, I've got a lot of stuff in there, a lot of commentary on it. We've got the video on it where Alan and I talk more about it. I don't know. Do you, Josh, Jeremy, you guys have anything else you want to add about this before we kind of move on? Or yeah, The only it's thing nice. is, I can think is that I think it should be a console killer. I, I don't think it will be, but I'd love to see it be one. Uh, yeah, I know. You would love to see anything kill the consoles, though. So. Well, you know. That's okay. They keep, de- they keep declaring us dead, so why can't we start doing it to them, too? <laughs> That's fine. Fair enough. Josh? <laughs> hey, how about that post-PC world NVIDIA's jumping both feet into? Uh, well, not really both feet. I think they still make GeForce cards, unless I'm That's mistaken. true. They, they kind of do. They're just dipping a, an, an extremity in. Yeah. A <laughs> uh, quick note here about Lee posting a review of the Seasonic X-Series XM2 1250-watt power supply. Um, this is a lot of power for a power supply there. Arc holding. Uh, ultra-tight voltage regulation, Seasonic hybrid silent fan control, reduced cooling fan hysteresis. Am I saying that word right? Hysteresis? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. See, I so it doesn't pay attention. That's when they take the uterus out, right? That's <laughs> close to that. I think it's yeah. close to that. Dual copper conductor bars, eighty plus gold, uh, fully modular design, uh, seven year warranty, which is great to see. Uh, and you can look through Lee's review here. Uh, as usual, very detailed. Takes it apart, looks at stuff inside. It's always fun to see. I'm surprised that fan would last seven years. Hey, you know, build up. See, that's true. that's true. It probably runs very very little. Um, if we look, uh, you can see some of the... Only turns oh, on when you're welding. inside a power supply. Look at that. And look, it, look it is the Senyo Denkei Sane, so that's they do last for a while. Yeah. Look at the size of those coils. Yeah. 
These these are nice. Uh, I'm so, just surprised that that's a 1200 watt power supply and the and the like the primary transformer is so small. Yeah, is, isn't it neat? Like that yeah, transformer this, in the center is yeah. not that big, yeah. and it's moving 1200 watts. Like that's pretty 1250, impressive. Thank 1250 you. watts. Sorry, yeah, I tell you, when those transformers go. At, at, at stupidly good efficiency, and like he's like even saying, you know, one hundred percent load can barely even see the ripple. Yeah, that's just got on, on AC. It's just very, crazy. Very well designed parts. That's the only weakness be. he came up with was not available in North America yet, but coming soon in August. Right, so oh, okay. uh, PC per gold award for that one. If you're looking for a high end power supply, Seasonic makes great ones. And if you don't know, they make a lot of power supplies for other companies. It's true brands that you may already know. Yep. Uh, that you think you know of power supplies, they're actually going through Seasonic to yep. get those manufactured. So uh, keep that in mind. Just don't list them because they take offense. Well, no, I mean, they're, most of them are pretty open about it. Like if we talk yeah. with Corsair or EVGA or XFX or whatever, they'll tell us who is the OEM is because if it's a good OEM, they want to brag about it. That's, That's a selling point for them. So uh, let's talk about one last piece of content that went up today. We have a, a mouse review the logitech g402 i hesitate to call it a review it's more of like a demonstration or whatever the hyperion fury gaming mouse um it is this mouse actually right here that we're using uh, or that i'm using rather for the uh, uh podcast today and if you look at it it looks just like a normal mouse you know you've got your buttons you've got your uh multiple dpi settings um it's got this cool light on the top of it here for the g logo um but what is maybe more interesting is that they have this thing called the Fusion Engine that they've put in it. And the Fusion Engine is a system in which... Do you have to have a uh, particle uh, badge, radiation badge? It's okay. I, I brought one from the sub. We're covered. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. the only reason I had to wait for Alan to get here before I was even allowed to use the mouse yeah. legally uh, in uh, the contiguous 48. So I had to put the... Uh, so the few, so the you're the RSO engine? for uh, PC <laughs> yes. Perspective? I am. I am certified. We're yeah, uh, we're so done. What the Fusion Engine does is it supplements the optical sensor, right? So if you look at the bottom of a mouse, you have this little, little dot. Optical sensor. It's a sensor. It's taking pictures of the surface as you move your mouse across it, and then it compares those pictures to each other to figure out how far and in what direction you moved your mouse, right? Yep. Um, those work great. Most of the time, up to a certain almost speed. all the time, uh, but at a certain speed, they kind of fail. Like the when you move further than the camera can track yeah. in that in a certain amount of time it doesn't doesn't see any points that it recognizes from the previous picture so it kind of fails it says i don't know where you're going so it either it just doesn't do anything or it kind of picks a random direction where it thinks you're going to go it is a trade-off it's like the more accurate you want the sensor to be the slower it needs to like take the low pictures. well no the, like well, that and the lower the speed at which it's going to like start acting weird Right. right, like you're, you know, so, and then this guy, it ends up being like what around ninety or a hundred uh, inches we, per second. We got up to like one hundred fifteen or so. Yeah, but that, that was pushing it though. That right? was like where where we could get the optical sensor to read kind yeah. of reliably. Yeah, and and so the idea of the fusion engine, as its marketing name is, is that they basically added an accelerometer and gyro into the internals of the mouse, and. What it does is, is as soon as the mouse realizes that the optical sensor has failed, that it cannot any longer yeah, can't produce keep up. accurate data, mm-hmm. uh, it supplements with the accelerometer and gyro info. Yep. And so it allows you to track with, I think, probably it's fair to say, less accuracy, but 
much more accuracy than nothing. Uh, yeah, yeah, because uh, you're literally you're hitting a brick wall. Like, yeah. like you're just if you're moving it too fast with only optical, and you get to the, if you're able to get to that speed. Yeah. Now we thought originally they're like, wow, that really takes a lot to get there, but it still does. Ryan, well, when we record the video earlier today, like he was just showing just the optical yeah, only so part. If you look in in the software that comes with the Logitech uh, G402 mouse, they have this little demo thing that you can kind of test it out, right? And so what you're looking at on here is like. The optical sensor only on this side is the optical sensor yep. with the fusion engine. So, like, I noticed that when you when we recorded that video, which we have separately, I mean, it's on YouTube if yep. you want to see it, but, like, when you were kind of, like, you hadn't yet done your wind-up and fling the mouse move yet, right? I wouldn't call it a fling. I'll call it a control Well, like, intentionally jab. try to go as fast right. as possible, right? Yeah. You, you just kind of, like, just really did more of a sweep with your arm yeah. without even really moving your elbow, mm-hmm. right? And you hit over 90. Did I? Yeah. Yeah. So, now, so we like, should say, of course, that we're using this giant mouse pad. We are. I brought in... Uh, like I brought 30, in... It's a 36-inch by 18-inch mouse pad. Just give us enough room to kind of yes. to test things out. Um, I'm trying to find did, did you play uh, the Spank the Monkey game? We did not play the Spank the Monkey game. This would be a good... So it's, got, it's got great music. So you can see I'll here, if, if you look in the video, we can see that the mouse pad that we have, and uh, see if we can find... The Ripper XXL. Yeah, a little so further. This is us a little bit further. Also known as a desk plotter. So, no, no, there we go. I'm trying to show motions where I just kind of swipe it across... It's close. I thought you did it more towards the beginning of the video. Yeah, I don't know. But if you watch this video, so you can see there. So I turned the Fusion Engine on, okay? And um, what, what I'll do is i you know, do that thing you're talking about, kind of like warming up and stuff. Yeah, just kind of moving it around and yeah. whatnot, yeah. So you can see there, it's kind of measuring your IPS as you move it. And what's cool yeah. is that red band actually means like it's using the, optical, using the optical sensor, sensor, right? So it actually does a handoff. So here we go. Let's see one of those times where I try to move it really fast. See, that was... Within reason, you know, 129. Yep. Right. Something a gamer. So it's, it's starting to use hit. that fusion engine already. Yeah. Uh, in in that part of the video. So. And then Ryan started going crazy and like almost hitting me with the mouse. Because <laughs> I was see. sitting in the line of fire, Come so on, to Ryan, speak. You can do this. Here we go. Watch this. Oh, there he goes. 256. Not my maximum, but uh, pretty good, I think. Now, actually, it does go higher than two. It just yeah, we, it we neatly did, went to a two to the X. Two eighty seven. Yeah. So the idea is basically for people who are gaming at low DPI that have to take up, uh, have to move a large physical space on their mousing surface. Yeah. Um, that there are instances where you're going to go above that one twenty. And, and I think even like it's questionable on how accurate you'll be at that. If you're in a first-person shooter it. and you start getting hit from behind from by somebody and you need to spin around real fast, like even if you're not using really low DPI, yeah, like this, like if you you would potentially like, you would make that kind of move, right? And good. and ideally, you still want to be on the same horizon when you do end up facing the other way, right? And if the if you just had optical, and I mean that's actually happened to me, like, but you usually you just think you're that not it's. That good. Usually you just assume that you're just like moving your hand all over the place right. as you're like panicking, yeah. right? But yeah, it's probably not what's actually the, happening. I, right? Until, you know, t- working with Logitech on this mouse, like I didn't understand that the, the optical sensors were failing at some point yeah. with speed. So, And, and the, kind of an interesting part, it's still a good mouse otherwise. It's a lightweight mouse. Um, it's their 400 series, so it's not like super high in their product stack. It's only $59, though, um, which is... Very, very reasonable, I think. It has, you know, multiple, like five, up to five DPI settings. I think it's up to 4,000 DPI, pulling rate up to 1,000. Um, I think it, we need to fire up, like, Deus Ex or something. 
and try to like spin around the it's other way real fast. Decade. And so, well, it, but it updates really quick and like you know that kind of thing. <laughs> so like and try to see if you can like spin around really yeah. quickly. Yeah. Right. And see if you're still on the yeah, same horizon, maybe. that kind of thing. Josh, Jeremy, do you guys have any need for a super speed mouse, the world's fastest? Well, yeah, because I'm playing Spank the Monkey right now. Yeah, I've got Spank the Monkey. Uh, not, I've got the big hand. <laughs> I, like, I like how they're both staring at the screen like they are absolutely playing Spank the Monkey. Why is everybody it's, spanking it's the monkey? I just spanked the, the monkey uh, at 328 miles an hour. I could really use this mouse. Hmm. hmm. Well, now wait. At the, at the end wait. of the show, at the end of the show, I'll do it. Okay. Because like, now, now I'm curious. Like, yeah. Now we need to know. 328 miles an hour. That's, that's 328 right. miles an hour. That's not right. Uh, I'm not because quite there yet. 500 inches per second is 28.4 miles yeah. per hour. And that's what this mouse tops out at. This mouse tops out at five. And that mouse tops out five oh. times higher than an optical mouse. So yeah. I've 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 been practicing for years. <laughs> you of all people, I 100 percent believe that ryan testing this mouse on like, i'm one getting of those, the music i did it good if you test this mouse and try to see how high you can get on like a uh plastic like a composite mouse pad you might burn your finger and melt i the actually teflon. did kind of catch my finger like not on fire but i had my i had my uh what is it's my ring finger on my yeah. right hand like the teflon touching the top of the mouse pad as i was doing it back and forth and it like like i was like my finger burns like i actually you have worn there's a Stop touching my mouse. There is a horizontal pattern Stop touching in the Teflon. Yeah, this. that's not supposed to happen. No. Um, Logitech is not responsible for the spontaneous combustion of any package <laughs> yeah. of user. Indeed, indeed. Uh, all right, so let's move on. If you want to check that out, like I encourage you guys to go to our YouTube channel or go to the, go to the story on PCPro.com and, and watch the video where we kind of demonstrate how yeah. all that software and stuff works. Um, and and I, think, I think you'll be impressed. And again, you know, I, I'm not sure if it's going to come to other lines of, of mice if it's going to end up in a wireless model or anything like that but this is kind of where it's at and for 59 bucks I, even as just a normal mouse i've been using it for a couple of days uh, yeah. like at my desk using normal productivity stuff. if i was if i was in the market to buy a mouse right now i just yeah. needed one I, that's probably if you what weren't I still using a mouse that was 13 years old no you would buy i'm on like a, it's like a g6 what, a G5 what is that the intel mouse for <laughs> no, that mouse over there is like a couple of generations ago for me like from what i was using all right fine uh, let's talk about something that's maybe more interesting to people who are watching and listening. This is the part where we tell you about our contest. Yay! So uh, our, our good friends at EVGA uh, wanted to help promote us. They wanted us to be able to, to give you guys some stuff. So they said, what do, you, what do you guys want to give away this week? How about we give you a mouse and a case? I said, we'll absolutely do a mouse in a case. Sure. So what we're giving away today is a uh, EVGA Hadron Air case and an X10 Torque, or is it Torque X10? I think I had that backwards. Uh, mouse. So this is EVGA's first entry into the mouse market. Um, it's actually a really nice mouse as well. We were using these at QuakeCon. We gave some of them away Looks at cool. QuakeCon. Uh, it has like... Is, uh, it, is that the one that uh, the Scott animation? did the breathing? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it has adjustable yeah. sizing and adjustable stuff breathing. It. Uh, it's like a it's a ninety dollar mouse that you can win here, and the case is like one hundred and sixty, one hundred and seventy dollars, I think, uh, for this Hadron Air Mini ITX design. We did a review of this case as well. You can see that here. So here's how we're going to do this. Uh, we promise that one person who watches live would be able to win the mouse. Okay, so if you're watching live, this is important. Uh, if you're listening after the fact. If you were not here during the live stream, uh, you can still enter to win the EVGA Hadron Air Case. Okay. And actually, the secret is you can do it at the same place, actually. So if you go to the homepage at PCPro.com, 
And you look for this very post, podcast listeners and viewers win an EVGA Hadron Air case and X10 Torque mouse. You will see at the bottom of it now that wasn't there before, a form where you enter your name and your email. That's all I'm asking for. Sweet. Your name and your email. And if you put your name and your email in there now, at the end of the podcast, right before we close, I will pick a random winner from that. One time only. You can only enter one time. It won't won't even let you. you. It'll only let you enter one time. So you fill out your name and email here. And at the end of the show, I will go ahead and pick the winner. If you're listening to this after the fact, after we recorded it, still go to that same page. Still go to the podcast listeners and viewers win an EVGA, Hadron Air, and X10 Torque. How how long are you going to wait on the case? Next week. We'll just announce it next week's podcast. Okay. So you have until uh, next Wednesday at probably 8 or 9 p.m. Eastern to fill it out. And uh, That's a long uh, time. Draw there. And if you enter, if you're watching live now and you in- fill out that form, you will already be entered, of course, obviously, in for the Hadron Air case as well. You don't have to try to enter in a second time. We'll, we'll, we'll draw again from the same much larger pool of entrance this time. So go there, fill that out, and uh, we will um, we'll check back in on you later in the show. So we have here, yeah, here we go. I've got these up on the EVGA site, the EVGA Torque X10. I did have that backwards. Ken, if you want to show this here. Um, $90, $90 mouse? $90. That's expensive. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Torque X10. Yeah. yeah. It, it's the carbon version. There's a regular version, oh, too. Oh, the regular Torque is not carbon. Yeah, and it's yeah, not yeah. $90. And it's not $90. So we're giving you the good one. Yeah. We're giving you the good stuff. And then, of course, we have the EVGA Hadron Air case as well. Um, tiny case, lots of room for stuff. Oh, and I did want to mention one thing EVGA asked us to bring up. Uh, they are celebrating their 15th anniversary. Wow. Uh, and they're having an, uh, an event. If you go to EVGA.com slash 15 – You'll get this page. They're they're basically just having uh, a contest. They have over seventy thousand dollars in prizes that they're giving away. EVGA.com slash fifteen scavenger hunts, gaming events, shadow play, social media events. You can see here they've got all the sponsors laid out, and you can go there and and see all the different prizes and what you have to do to win them. So, huh. um, congrats to them for lasting fifteen years, I guess. And uh, I didn't even know they were around that long for giving away a bunch of stuff. Yeah, almost. Yeah. That's that's actually that's the same age as PenStarSys.com. Does it really count as is it is it dead though? Not as long as I'm paying for it. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Can't argue with that. Let's talk about uh, a couple of news items, a handful of news items, real quick. Uh, rumor: Nvidia GeForce 800 series in, uh, is 28 nanometers in October, November. Jeremy, Josh, did you read anything on this? Well, that's not a shock. Nobody's got, I mean, you know, one, uh, the 20 nanometer process that is available to, you know, these from the pure play foundries, um, it's more low power, smaller designs, and a GPU is neither of those for the most part. So, yeah, they're kind of stuck at 20 nanometer until they get either 20 nanometer SOI or uh, FD SOI. Or, uh, you know, the 16 nanometer FinFET from TSMC, I believe. So, yeah, we're going to be stuck at 28 nanometer for what? This is going to go on four years? Three years? Has it been that long? Yeah. 2012, I think, was, uh, yeah, when it first came out. So, almost three years. Come on, TSMC. <laughs> we're almost shit. nearing the fourth anniversary of the Tahiti GPU. Third? Uh, fourth? Yeah. And it's still being sold? Yep. And it is still being sold. Yes, that's true. Gangbusters. Talk about a return on investment. 
That's true. So, I mean, if, if NVIDIA were to release another large high-performance GPU at this node, I mean, can they still do stuff to, like, get generational performance improvements, do you think? Josh? Say that again. If, <laughs> if they are stuck at 28 nanometer for this next kind of big GPU release, can they still find ways to get architectural performance improvements? Yes, because you're dealing with products that are, what, 5 billion transistors? Do you think by chance there could be some optimizations? Some optimizations that can be done (laughs) and some architectural tweaks that can improve. Wait, wait, you think they didn't get those 5 billion transistors in the exact right place the first time? We'll just take those two transistors in that back corner. We'll, We'll rearrange them a little bit, and it'll be a little bit faster. And then we'll yeah. sell it as a new product. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> Remember the one transistor in a chipset that cost Intel a billion dollars? Yeah, there yeah. was one transistor in a chipset. Well, if you, if you look back at the old roadmaps, right? Remember, like, Maxwell was going to be the unif- unified virtual memory. Volta was going to have, like, stacked DRAM. Um, yeah, that roadmap's kind of jacked. Yeah, exactly. And now if you look at the roadmap from GTC that uh, Tim was at, you have Maxwell, and now you have Pascal, which is in the middle. But that's not Which is like the worst programming what is language the, What is ever? the vertical scale of that? What is that? Uh, uh, that is um, S-G-E-M-M or something? What is it? Normalized. It's performance per watt, whatever it is. Oh, so it's not like performance. So And now Pascal is in there, and it has unified memory, 3D memory, and NVLink. And seems to make a really large performance per watt jump, too. But we're not getting Pascal. Like The rumor is not that you're getting Pascal. That's clearly on the roadmap in 2016. And we are still currently in 2014. I believe that is the case. I want to know what the performance jump is. October, November is interesting. You know... yeah. The performance jump on that is going to be 16 nanometer FinFET. Okay, so in 2016, you think we're oh yeah, definitely well, I mean, we're going to see the first products uh, rolling off the line for 16 uh, nanometer FinFET Q1 2015. So how much? And we'll we'll probably get GPUs by the beginning of second half of 2015. So so as like a person who still buys his GPU from time to time, like. What's the performance jump on the 800 series over what the 700 series would be? Like, it's it's going to be all architectural. Like uh, I think it, they're no, going to apply I mean, like, a lot if of you the follow power. the same trend. Like how much, you know? I have no idea. Oh. What? Am I muted? No, no go ahead. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say that uh, NVIDIA is going to do a lot of the same things that we see Intel and AMD doing right now. Uh, you know, crank up the clock speed and get the work done, and then try to get it into rest states in different parts of the GPU. And, I mean, there's going to be an insane amount of gating, and they're going to try to clock it up as high as possible in burst rates to be able to get work done faster and then go to resting state. And so you're not going to see a significant increase in TDP. In fact, you're probably going to see perhaps a small decrease, but performance is going to be better just because... I mean, design, yeah. optimization, and really, I think, aggressive power saving and, you know, let's get this done fast and go into a rest state. Huh. Well, it'll be interesting to see. We'll yeah. find out. October, November is what the rumors are. So, new GPUs by the holidays? Yay! Maybe. Hopefully let's shipping by then. Let's talk about Raptor without a no because trendiness. Raptor. Raptor. Raptree. 
Raptory. Raptory. So uh, Raptor is a software company that makes uh, the AMD Gaming Evolved app. They also they were they existed before that app was a thing, and now they continue to exist. But the the AMD Gaming Evolved version of Raptor. That is the AMD version of like GeForce Experience. GeForce Experience. It actually does a little bit more than GeForce Experience. It's more of like a social sharing tool as well. And it also works on NVIDIA too. Yes, that's that's what's interesting, right? So they just announced uh, kind of a major update. And uh, part of that is um, uh, that the, the features are for both Radeon and GeForce users. So, um, so the headlining feature is hardware accelerated video recording and streaming for both AMD and NVIDIA GPUs. Wow. Raptor claims that their method leads to basically no performance loss, regardless of which GPU vendor is used. Up to 20 minutes of previous gameplay can be recorded after it happened, and video of unlimited length can be streamed on demand. So they have Twitch streaming integrated. They have kind of a DVR yep. running full-time in the background. But for enabled. 20 minutes, where I think GeForce Experience is 30? Uh, it started at 10. I think they moved it to 20. Oh, I'm okay. not sure. It might be 30. Yeah. It, it could be. Um, uh, they also have like the ability to share those videos kind of integrated through the, the application if you want. Like but, a, a post to YouTube from the thing? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think that's, so. That's pretty cool. So it's it's interesting to see this application now start to duplicate more of the features of what GeForce Experience is. Right. And kind of doing it better because it doesn't ca- doesn't care what GPU yeah, you have. Yeah, just doing it on either GPU, someone who knows how to use. I need to, you know, honestly, I need to spend some more time with the app because... Yeah. The GeForce experience is, you know, has a lot of cool features, but one of the benefits is it just works well. Yep. Like, it works great. Like, all the features work, and boom, you're ready to go. Uh, the shadow play works, and the yep. Twitch streaming works, and, 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 and things like that. So, if this but works just as well. But doesn't the NVIDIA gaming experience give you the rewards? No, it doesn't. Because well, that, that is one does, of the things yes. about Raptor that does make it more impressive. Yeah. Yeah, AMD does. I would love to talk to users yep. who actually get access to any of those rewards, like how much yep. you actually have to do. I mean, it comes with a driver now, so I mean, I've got it, but I have no idea how many points, if any, I have. Yeah, the, what annoys me is that you can't not install it with the driver now. Oh. I know. Well, yeah, it kind of fights with you. With GeForce Experience, I still have the option to not install GeForce Experience, which I True. which I think most people should have. And it's not a bad piece of software in any way. It's not like bloatware or anything. Um, but for us, when we're like doing a bunch of testbed stuff where I don't need it. Uh, yeah, I just want to know if Raptor is as annoying or less annoying than GeForce Experience popping up like there's a new version of blah blah blah. Like it's, it's just not annoying. Yeah, I it's don't like know. once a month, and it's, it's informative. You, it's telling you about a new driver. It's showing you it cares. It's not dri- you, I like the driver you. part. Yeah, that's what. It's Wait, but that's like Steam telling me there's a new driver. I like the driver part. Piss but, off, yeah. Steam. If I want a new driver, I'll get it. Right, I like the driver part. You're so yeah. you're such a stodgy old man. You know that, Jeremy? Well, it's true, but I'm also upset to because 14.4, I can't rotate my monitor's portrait anymore. So, Well, here's the thing. In my Damn opinion, <laughs> I think GeForce Experience should be able to update silently. The driver, I can see you can't really do. You can't do that. But, yeah. but the GeForce Experience, like the default should just be, do you want auto-updates like while you're installing it? There you might just be a checkbox yes. for that, it should, I, but I, it still I have to run that. an installer. Right? It's, Initially, yes, to get it on your system. Well, yes. even for the silent updates, right? If they're updating the program files, if the application is running, you can't update it. Like I think it should, it should do like, Magic? like Steam. Steam gets updated, right? When you, you start it every when time. You, when you start it, if there's an update, it just does it. Okay. 
Like you reboot your yeah, system, you don't get an option. Steam fires so back up. Not have it an just, option. Yeah, like for that particular Why thing. You, but like when I, no, that's dumb. You always want an option, right? Because when Steam starts up and it doesn't update, and I go, no, I don't want you to update. I need to do something right now. I don't want to wait for you to download a 120 meg update. Sure, that sucks, right? But if it popped up and said, hey, we have an update available, would you like to download it and you give me the choice? Update. It's like Java. You would never update it. It's like Java. Which is or why Steam. I have a four-month-old version of GeForce Experience sitting on my PC at home because I'd never do the so update. Your, your argument is that shove it down my throat because I'm too stupid to click the yes button? Because I'm too smart Listen, to click the yes everything button. Listen, everything else, lazy to click it Windows, you can wait? have auto-update. Steam, you can have auto-update. Yeah, but it still reboots your computer and... It, it, GeForce Experience has to reboot your computer? No, but I'm telling you, like, there's other things that have to happen. Like, No. I hate it, actually, when Windows tells me I have 15 minutes. Otherwise, it's going to reboot my machine for me. That is annoying. Right? Yes. Not, not otherwise. In 15 minutes, it will no, reboot No, right. right. That's, that's newer. You can that disable happens. that. You can actually go into, like, your profile and, like, get rid of that if you want. But Yeah. 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 Oh, Which Chrome, I do. Chrome is a good argument. Chrome does it in the background. Yeah. yeah. See Chrome? Yeah. No, There's just an update. Wait, it downloads it. But that's an option. No. Well, you have to... Well, that's the, the default, default is on. So that when you start it up... Firefox does it, too. When if you there's start an up, update it's already for Chrome. installing the new version. Yeah. If there's an update for Chrome... Sometimes I don't want that. That has screwed me up so many times. Where Why? Firefox updates to, like, version 97 or whatever the hell they're at but now. But Firefox has that issue with uh, with plugins and crap. No, but Chrome I'm saying that, like, yeah, it's like something, suddenly something doesn't work. And I'm like, well, maybe if but, you just wouldn't auto-update for me... I that doesn't happen with Chrome. Yeah, it does. Chrome well, has... Well, no, and the problem is if you don't have admin rights, Firefox can't update. Chrome, there's no stop on that damn thing. <laughs> It's yeah. going to update. <laughs> How does it do that? That's it shouldn't be allowed to do that. And it installs under your profile. Don't be You're lazy. Hit the that. button to say yes, and then it updates for you. It's like auto-updating, except you approve it. Uh, every time you're, it's automatically sending you a notification that says, "Hey, dummy, update." I just want it to happen. Now, every time that your computer pops up an update, I'm going to be, I'm going to be on. No, me. I'm, I'm telling you that I love to have the choice, so I can do it when I want to. But you he's saying do he it. just wants to do it, so I do it when I need to do it. Oh, I'm moving doing on. a podcast. Let's install Windows 8.1. Yes, exactly. Moving on. <laughs> uh, we don't have anything on this really necessarily. Jeremy, you posted uh, a news news blurb uh, from Slashdot, I guess, about the Oculus Rift Dev Kits 2 starting to arrive. Oh, you mean this? Yeah, so we got, we got yeah, ours that, that in today. that thing that you just got, you... We got this in today. And uh, here, let me go ahead and put this on. So do you put that on and do you say, bring out the GIMP? So while he can't, while he can't see what he's doing As soon as he puts anymore, it on, the GIMP's already out for him. The GIMP's sleeping. And while Ken oh. is flicking him off while well, I can't see it. What? And so am I. And we're just all flicking him off. Um, I, so st- I, I still have pants on. Don't, don't worry. So as an experiment, I used this for the first time. Like, I have not put on You've never any, used the DK1. I have not even put any Oculus device on my head adjusted. ever. Yeah. Right? Uh... That thing is surprisingly good. Like, I mean, it's just as far as the update is very fast. Like, the only thing that I could the only thing that I could perceive of latency, like moving moving my head, and actually between the time my head moved and it updated what I saw, the only reason there was a delay is because I was moving my head faster than the Oculus device was accelerating with my head. Like it was moving a little bit on my head, and that's what I perceived as like a lag. This is also so, so the DK2 development kit two adds a uh, you get a camera now that sits on top of your monitor and it uh, monitors positional yeah, movement. It gives you right? an absolute so position. If on you it. move yeah. forward, the character moves forward. If you move back, if you you know do stuff like that, it, it up and down. 
it'll do that as well. And as actually in the in the Tuscany demo, there was a scene where the the desk we were messing around with it. Well, no, in the Tuscany demo, when I was standing up. Oh yeah, yeah. And I put it on. Can or Alan was sitting down using. It, and I said, "Let me try something." And I was standing up and I was using it. And he was and high. I could, I could lean over the rail, like not not physically move, but lean over, and it would recognize that the you're moving, moving forward, forward and as well as looking, looking down. down. And so yeah. you kind of looked over the top. It was really cool. Instead of just making you really sick by doing that. Well, so my experience was today when we got it in uh, this afternoon and we started playing with it a little bit this evening. And I had pretty bad motion sickness issues with the first kit. Um, and this is this is supposed to improve it because it has a low persistent screen. It has a 75 hertz refresh rate instead of a 60 hertz refresh rate. Yep. Uh, the resolution more, more is better. Yep. Um, positional tracking. Positional tracking. So as you yep. move back or forward, it's supposed to you know keep all that uh, relative as well. Sitting down and playing some of the demos, I still had the same effect. Yeah. It was less... And I didn't get a whole, like, I didn't, we weren't actually playing a game yet. Like, some of the demos were very, very basic. Uh, some of them are game wide. A lot of the games yeah. haven't been updated to support SDK 0.4. We um, had some bugs we were trying to work out still with, with some of the demos not starting, not recognizing the, the devices being attached. Uh, and so it's not, like, I can already tell you it's not 100% fixed for me. Yeah. And I don't get motion sick on planes. Or I, reading in cars. Okay, or so, like that. so I get motion sick if I'm a passenger in a car, but not when you're driving. Not when I'm driving. That's, that's typical. There's a lot. Of, that's even if I'm typical. even if I'm looking where we're going in the car as okay, a passenger. That's just dumb. Like I kind I'm kind of sensitive to that. This I didn't feel motion sick at all, except for that one. What was the name well, of that demo? It was like the one with the. There's like a demo a Viking ship ride that's where supposed to be like a Viking ship ride that spins around, but it's just like one seat. Yeah, like that does that. And it and the seat is on a like a little motor that can flip it around 180 so that your head is down like your head would explode from blood pressure if this was a real thing. Nah, no, it's don't be such it's a wuss. whipping you around with your head down don't on the outer part of the wuss. circle, right? And so this thing, like the ride, like it starts off kind of slow, but then it like starts whipping around and like it really to sit through this whole thing and look at the at through the oculus yeah i was completely like i almost I, puked i would say so what what is interesting is when you were doing it and and i came up and i said let me try this standing up when i was standing up yeah and i just was like rotating my body in a circle and looking around like i felt no you didn't nausea get that, that nausea all. feeling yeah right it, and, and it, what it happens is i think for me it is the disconnect between like moving your head and then moving the mouse like there are two ways yeah. to rotate the camera mm-hmm. and my body does not appreciate that because yeah. that is not if you're, a normal thing if you're only occurs. doing it with your head then yeah. it's more of a realistic yeah. thing but in like your mind, so right? like ben kachera from polygon was here at the office yesterday we were talking about some stuff and he has even with the dk1 he had no nausea at all okay right? so there's just there's some physiological difference between people that is is making yeah. this occur it's something that you're going to want to try I still want to try that can. Dramamine trick, Mike, because... Dramamine should help. Should it, though? Because it's all fake? Like, you're not actually but, moving? Okay, That's so... Lo- but along no, it that, kind of numbs your semicircular canals, wait, and then exactly. it's... Uh, I yeah. don't know, but along that thought process, as far as what makes you feel nauseous, like... That one demo I was talking about, like that's on this huge, crazy, spinny Ferris wheel thing or whatever. Yep. Like when it went, when it started to finally go up over the top, and you get that feeling like you're about to come over the top of the roller coaster, like the roller coaster is kind of, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you get that just gut, 
like your stomach's in your throat feeling. Yeah, right? I knew that. I was shocked, but I was getting it just like I was on a roller coaster. Like, I know I'm not moving, but like it was such just purely on optical. Right, I didn't even have headphones in. There was no sound effects I was hearing, really, right. nothing like that. Just on what was coming into my eyes, it was making my body physically like, just my gut felt like it stuff. was moving up. And and the first time it like went down and like where there would be a lot of G forces, like I swear I almost felt like, like I was in some sort of a seat that could, you know, yeah. there was a yeah. little bit of that. Like I know there's no way in heck that was happening because it was just a chair. But that was shocking to me. I you saw know, somebody. You know, in the the ch- best thing for this to, to to not get sick, use it every day well, for a couple get, of minutes. You get used to it, yeah. Now and then, and you will get yeah. used to it. I mean, it's it's like I've, that guy uh, I think what QuakeCon two years ago that was you know running around in that thing and he had the Oculus and he was fine and yeah. he wasn't projecting projectile vomiting <laughs> because you know he'd practiced and that, used. That's it. the other thing Ryan was talking about. Since Ryan is when he's standing up doesn't really get that nauseous mm-hmm. combine that with the that newer version that we were talking about with this use yeah, your socks on it like the vr one of those vr halos. things where you walk right yeah. where you actually walk in the device other than little, it being like a lot of work that sounds pretty cool you mean calorie burning yeah, like a lot of work like, <laughs> like other than, i really need to have do, one I, of those do, I, do I really want to sprint in crisis th- in real like, life to sprint in crisis like three i beat probably i beat not crisis for, three i lost 50 pounds probably not for very I long it. right like if you have a three hour i'm gonna play this session. game for an hour and after a week i'm gonna lose that's 15 true pounds but gain muscle you would potentially lose weight and gain I'll, muscle I'll, from I'll, gaming I, you know what else i could potentially do that is by going to run that's or true go to the gym that's true but, yeah I, I asked you to do that and what did you do I slept it. Yeah. As yeah, I should. On that. Like, so uh, somebody choice. in the chat room asked, you know, should they buy this? Um, if you actually go to oculusvr.com slash order, you can actually it's, – it's listed as it being for sale. I don't know, like, what the lead time is for this kind of stuff. I, I think it's still a developer. September 2014. I mean, it is a dev kit, first of all. It's called a development yeah. kit. It's very much in the title. On and, purpose. And, and we had – like I think we actually had more trouble getting this one working up and running, like getting demos to run, than the first one. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, I feel like it's software, right? That could be fixed. Yeah, but it hasn't been in the year. Yeah, but it hasn't it's been, actually. It, I I would say in the year the experience got worse yeah. in terms of out of box. They experience. give you no okay. instructions on how to set it up out no. of the box. There's, yeah. there's there's this is not a consumer ready product. Like if you have three hundred fifty dollars that you're okay getting rid of. Uh, and you just want something to play with, it's going to be something like you're going to get it and you can maybe spend an hour looking at some demos, but there's no, there's not a whole lot of games yet. And a lot of the games that supported DK1 don't run on DK2 because yeah. of how much they've changed. Resolution's the different and everything, mm-hmm. yeah. Ben was saying that, that a lot of them won't. Like, they, like really? the Valve games, TF2 won't play. Huh. Uh, or I'm at least sure not the same way. I'm sure they'll update and maybe, it soon. Because you have right. to update for like the positional yeah. side of but things. But do so. you have to? I think you have to. I don't know. Maybe not. I'd but that's kind of my understanding on it. You um, would want them to. Yeah. Right. Um, so we'll have more on the, on the Oculus as we spend some more time with it. That was just kind of our, our initial impressions uh, that I wanted, wanted to share. Uh, looks like we have a couple more news items. Let's get through these quick. HS, HGST announces 12 gigabit per second SAS Enterprise SSDs. Are we interested? It's, they, they, those have existed already. It's not like now they're making them. Oh, they were announced, but now they're f- shipping? No, no, no. Like, there, there have been other enterprise SSDs that are 12 gigabit SAS. It's just a double channel SAS. So it's two 6 gigabit it's two, paths. It's, a, it's a, like multi-link two mm. 6 gigabit SAS, right? 
It's, is it actually uh, MST? Read, they call it no, but it's like MST. Read throughput of eleven hundred megabytes per second and yeah. one hundred and thirty thousand IOPS. It's just a picture, a rated pair of SATA SSDs, but except huh. it's internal and it's not a RAID. It's just one channel, but it's like a combined. Hmm. You know, but this is not like there's no consumer twelve gigabit per second kind of. No, you would need like an enterprise grade RAID at this point. Yeah, you'd need a okay. enterprise grade HBA or RAID card, and you'd need the connectors that can actually connect to that because the pins are on both sides of the port. Mm-hmm. Like it's okay. This is and this is proprietary, not proprietary, but it's enterprise spec gear. Gotcha. You're not going to put this in your home PC. Okay. Uh, and Unless you have a lot of money, yeah, you'd be better off just going PCIe. I hate to say for SSDs. Fair enough. No, I think that's or buying those two terabytes of the crucial, or buying a pair of the two. Yeah, one yeah, terabyte. Three ninety nine each. Yeah, I, actually, that would be way, way, way cheaper than that. Oh, and clearly, and would, faster. And for consumer use, would perform probably just as well if you were only doing consumer stuff. So AMD, uh, we we know about FreeSync. We know it's a thing. Yep. Uh, AMD released a FreeSync. FAQ, if you will. Frequently asked uh, on, questions? Yes, Alan. Oh, but sure. Frequently talks in the know. Ask questions. Um, so here's what's interesting. Scott wrote this up for us. It is it explains the standard much more thoroughly than they have in the past. For instance, it clarifies the distinction between DisplayPort Adaptive Sync and Project FreeSync. Prior to the fact, I thought that FreeSync became DisplayPort Adaptive Sync, and that was that. Now it is sounding a bit more proprietary, just built upon an open proprietary oh, Visa standard. Uh, so, yeah, which was FreeSync. FreeSync was the proprietary MD one. Right. Adaptive right, right. Uh, so, DisplayPort is right. going to be this, the uh, standard. But I, I agree do they do the Scott same here, thing or the no? idea was yeah. that when they announced Adaptive VSync, that was going to be what AMD was doing. Not that you were going to take that and then build a proprietary thing on top of that right it was supposed to be a standard yeah so um like in this fact if you look at it like the first the questions what is project FreeSync? what is displayport adaptive sync how are they different is displayport adaptive sync the industry standard version of project FreeSync? and if you read that answer um adaptive sync spec was ported from the embedded displayport spec through a proposal to the visa group by amd adaptive sync is an ingredient feature of a DisplayPort link and an industry standard that enables technologies like Project, Project FreeSync. FreeSync. Okay. Right. But not G-Sync. Well, G-Sync and existed think, before that, so... Well, well no, but the, I think that is sort of what they're going for, is to say that, you know, we've handed off VESA, this this work that we've done as AMD, to make to roll it up into DisplayPort uh, standards. Mm-hmm. We're still going to tweak around with it, see if we can maybe make it a bit better, but... Just like the Raptor app, it will. They're saying here, take it. It'll work on Nvidia or AMD. We don't care. Just use. I'm our not stuff. sure that's the case. It's I, not going to work. On I don't Nvidia. believe that FreeSync would work on Nvidia GPUs. Uh, well, you mean on Nvidia? I, no, not, no, not I mean so much Nvidia GPUs. Well, you adaptive, could probably code that in. Displayport Adaptive Sync will. Right, but it, what what this fact is saying is that it is, seems to indicate that AMD is not simply adopting Adaptive Sync. It is creating a new technology built upon like yeah. using adaptive sync yes. as the base and then doing their own custom they're, u- they're using that protocol but they're tweaking right. it a little yeah so, so the, the classic right. it'll run on anything but it runs a bit better on ours right right right, right. probably this. so they it, go ahead it, it, it sort of sounds like adaptive vsync is the ability to to change between any arbitrary refresh rate that the panel can do but they still need to build the logic layer on top of it to make it a decent yeah, experience the for panel, gaming. The panel still needs something. What's, what's interesting about this is that 
it kind of validates everything NVIDIA has been saying since AMD started talking about FreeSync. You know, when when we first saw FreeSync... Yeah, NVIDIA said it's not that simple. Like when an yeah, AMD NVIDIA tried to said say, it's oh, not, yeah, it's, not it's that just easy. doing that You're already. You're just going to put out a monitor and have it work. Yeah. And it seems kind of from this that that's maybe turning out to be more and more the case, right? One of the questions is, how is FreeSync different from G-Sync? It says there are three key advantages uh, that FreeSync holds over G-Sync. No licensing fees for adoptions, no expensive or proprietary hardware modules, and no communication overhead. But you need the monitor needs to be different. The panel needs to be different. You have to have a new monitor. No, the control circuitry needs to be different uh, for the yeah, panel, which is built panel. into the new spec. Sure. You still have but to have a new monitor, same... but there's not additional hardware. Like, the G-Sync module is additional So it has an extra part. It's okay, got like so. 760 megs of memory on it. It does. Yeah. Sure. Like, Alan, you tore apart the monitor to try and do that. I or did the upgrade. So yeah, it was you, Alan. I did the listen, upgrade, Listen yeah. to this part, right? So they say no communication overhead. The last benefit is essential to gamers. Is Project FreeSync does not need to poll or wait on the display in order to determine when it's safe to send the next frame to the monitor. Project FreeSync uses industry-standard adaptive sync protocols to pre-negotiate supported min-max refresh rates during plug-and-play, which means frame presentation to the user will never be delayed or impaired by time-consuming two-way handshakes. Uh... Time consuming? I don't I don't understand that. How long does it take to send a signal back and forth on a cable? Like I guarantee you it's not something you see. So well, the, the, that, so the idea of like know, a pre negotiated supported min max refresh rates happen at plug and play, like I get it. That's so the driver, graphics driver doesn't necessarily have to know about that monitor existing but before. Visa does that already. Right, but G Sync doesn't. But when you, yeah, when you plug in G Sync like monitor a two to in, three millisecond delay uh from for potentially from when it says okay i'm ready to present the next frame go ahead and send oh it. wait hold on josh are you talking about the thing that i actually saw when i reviewed the no, desync panel no no where if the panel is in no. the middle of a draw then it has to no. wait to it's send. talking about it's it's talking what josh is talking about is the fact that the monitor says i'm done drawing send me another one i'm done drawing send me another one yeah sure right but what this what this particular statement is talking about is the two-way handshakes. I, in NVIDIA, basically, rather than saying – NVIDIA has to kind of hard-code their driver to support every G-Sync monitor because they want to know the specifications of each G-Sync monitor. Okay. Right? And so that's the difference, right? Okay, is, I get that. I get and that. So, but, but the Visa standard does is it allows you to send that data over like an EDID. Okay. EDID to the graphics card. So the graphics card doesn't have to have seen or known about that monitor beforehand to, right. to uh, send a variable refresh rate signal. But There's I benefits ha- to that. I, I have see. a counterpoint to that. NVIDIA probably could have went through the trouble to code that in as part of it. Mm-hmm. They probably could have. But they probably didn't bother because how many different versions of a G-Sync module are they ever going to make? It's, okay, now we have four. Let's just... Right. You know, now we have a 4K that goes up to 60 hertz and we have a, you know... A different panel that goes up to 144. Okay, there's only so many revisions of this thing, and the driver. So let, let me read one more thing you know. off this fact before we kind of get out of here. How does Project FreeSync utilize DisplayPort Adaptive Sync to determine the period of time a frame is displayed to the user? Okay. A Radeon graphics card compatible with FreeSync uses DisplayPort Adaptive Sync specification to automatically determine the minimum and maximum refresh rates supported by a dynamic refresh ready system. Using this approach, no communication must occur to negotiate the time a current frame remains on screen or to determine that it is safe to send a new frame to the monitor. By eliminating the need for ongoing communication and pre-negotiated screen update rates, 
FreeSync can execute highly dynamic uh, changes in frame presentation intervals without incurring communications overhead or latency penalties. I don't see how communications overhead is can even an issue. So the question would be, what is that 768 megs of memory on a G-Sync module for? They have explained it to us before, but I don't remember. I don't think they ever really did. Okay. Mm I don't think they ever really told well, us what that memory was for. It, and so the, the assumption has been that it's used as a buffer. Well, the question is, is it more memory than that on a 4K version of a G-Sync panel? Mm, good question. I don't yeah. know. If don't, it is, then it's a frame buffer. I don't think it is. But I really don't think it sounds like a I really don't think it's for well, okay. frame. If it is a frame buffer, it's more frames. of a it's more of a back buffer. Like in other words, if it needs to because remember redraw the same frame. It might need to redraw the same frame. But 768 meg seems like way too much for that. Right. Yeah, know. but then again, it, it is prob- cheap as dirt, so why not just toss in as much, you know, the, the cheapest maybe module going that's over, for other you things, know, 512. Maybe. I mean, I, I seriously doubt whatever that buffer is is adding lag. Like, we were, we've were, we used it, them. It They're could, very it fast. It potentially could. Uh, <gasps> just because of the way, if you think of how frames are displayed, maybe it's got, you know, in there kind of a front buffer, back buffer for them. But then they they still need to replay... You know that the the different buffers, if sure. they don't get new information in a timely manner, and so they kind of do the you know kind of almost pseudo refresh. I forgot. You know, Tom talked to us a bit about this, and I mean they do utilize that memory for a reason. It's not just sitting back there for chits and grins. Um, well, I, I do know that like if you dip down below like the original. The Asus panel that we reviewed and then I did the upgrade kit to and, and whatnot. Um, if you got down to a slow enough refresh rate, there was kind of a window in there where the panel did have to do a redraw internally. Like, the card didn't send anything new to it, right? Right, it was but between 25 and 30. It was between 25 and 30, you know, uh, hertz-ish area. Whatever that latency, whatever that, not latency, but whatever that delay was, the panel needed another refresh, right? It, like, I waited too long. I need to redraw. So the G-Sync, at that point, the video card is not sending another frame. right? Like, it's not ready yet. Say it was only doing 20 frames per second at that point. Where is it going to get the frame? Right? It has to be in a buffer. Well, I mean, the, the graphics card could send the same frame again. It could. If, if the graphics card was smart enough to know, that's, this is where the graphics card has to know the properties of the monitor. And that's where the communication sure, right? comes in. Yeah. So the graphics card it would have to know, without knowing the... Uh, the de- kind of the display decay yeah. of the monitor, it's impossible for it to know when to send that data. Right. right. Yeah, not only that, but the G-Sync uh, pa- uh, little little thing, it's running Android 4.4.2. <laughs> <laughs> right, and, and so it will never be updated. And yeah, that's a, kinda, that's a problem, You're kind of stuck too. with that version of the OS forever. I, I feel like between, because like we're about to see pretty soon here, more G-Sync panels, not just no, that one panel. No, we got the panel. Asus one in today. Well, sure, it's in, but like, we're allowed to write about it yet? We know they're shipping no, overseas. We, no, we can't. Right? We got the panel. For some reason, there's, we have an embargo. So, like, there's already, like, they're already on round two. Uh, I would call this round one. Okay, well, consumer <laughs> round one. But <laughs> I with, think it's fair to call this but round But with one. a pretty big beta test. Uh, mm, I would right? call this not round that one. Big. I would say not that big. Uh, I don't know. I would say not that big. I bet if we counted the number of upgrade modules they sent out... I would say it'd be maybe less than ten thousand. Maybe a few. Well, thousand. the case remains that like very soon, there's gonna be people that have them. Oh yeah. And you can't buy an Nvidia or an AMD FreeSync panel. Uh, correct. You cannot. Like, have we even seen? Have we seen them? 
uh, only at like trade shows. Yeah, they they showed one at Computex, like the first. But prototype. then again, how long have you had a G-Sync monitor for? Uh, since November, basically, we did that. Actually, that's true. You did have that one. Yeah, that one. But you got a new one. But, today, I, don't, but right? I don't even count that. Yeah, this is this is yeah. in my opinion is the first actual G Sync exactly. show up. Yeah, that's more what I meant. It took a while. So the I, yeah, I mean, we've talked about that for a long time. Uh, we, we will have more updates about G Sync very soon. Yes, uh, and, and both the the kind of uh, politics behind it and FreeSync, as well as the product behind it and FreeSync. So uh, let's uh, go ahead and move on to our hardware software picks. Of the week, I'm going to take the easy way out and recommend that people who are uh, haven't upgraded their mouse in a long time look at the G402. Yep, it's uh, I think it's shipping in like about a week or so. Um, the, on the Amazon page, if you look here, it says it's $59 and it's shipping uh, in one to two months. That's not correct. It's it's it'll be shipping within the month of August for sure, um, and I think by the by the middle of the month. So uh, $59 for uh, this mouse, it, it's a good mouse. It's a wired mouse. I still prefer wired mice. Yeah. I don't, it could be placebo effect, but I still preferred wired mice. Um, and even if you don't, you know, if you're worried about not being able to take advantage of that <laughs> Fusion engine, you could always just install it and have mouse offs with your friends yes. who can move the mouse the fastest. And maybe uh, it was, we kind of had a thought. Are all your friends going to be around you in the mouse pad going? <laughs> Well, it's an interesting euphemism. I would, uh, yeah, that's true. And in case, and in case anybody's wondering, like, I would recommend getting. Um, you know how uh, the Wii U remotes have those wrist straps that go around your <laughs> yeah. wrist. Yeah, you might need a little when you're using the Wiimote. You might want to do that for the mouse, right? Because if you accidentally like, it could like go into somebody's chest or through a wall or, or yep. something if you're trying to do that. So, mouse-shaped indent in your wall. And again, Logitech cannot stress enough that if your finger catches on fire, it is not their fault. Yeah, or if you burn your fingertip. I, Ryan, it did. It did feel like I was burning the um, fingertip, like the the like the fingerprint off of my finger. Yeah. a little bit when I did it. Like, Just a little. It's the perfect. It was in a spy movie. <laughs> I didn't do it. Uh, who's up next, Jeremy? What do you got? And why is your page trying to get me to run Java? Well, yeah. Well, it's it's an old tool that hasn't really been used by anyone in a long time, but a discussion that Josh and I had earlier reminded me of the fact that people have gotten used to Vista and Windows 7 and Windows 8 auto-tuning receive Windows. And so everyone has forgotten about maximum transition units, about receive Windows, about all of the stuff that you used to be able to tweak on the TCP IP stack that we desperately needed because... What do you mean 100 megabits? That's not a thing. So we used to try and get every little single pinch of speed that we possibly could by making sure the RWIN was a multiple of MSS. Optimized for your modem. Yeah, and and they would do it by brand of modem. That used to be a thing. But it still is. Cisco doesn't want you to believe it's a thing. But And I even put a little link there. I just fixed uh, DFSR with the MTU fix on our on our work on network. On your Cisco-based Cisco-based back. <laughs> so how, so how much of a difference did that make? Uh, between uh, not being oh, able to access oh, We it? went from DFS not communicating with each other, four different servers, to being rock-solid by going down four bytes. Really? 1,500 to 1,496. It worked. My goodness. No, and I passed it on because I've had it work for me as well. Just reconfigured at the router is what you're saying. No, 
at uh, the server. Oh, on the individual servers. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And it does friggin' work. And if you work with any Cisco certified professionals, they get very upset when you bring this up. But they've even got a, a set MTU tool for their VPNs because they, this is a known issue they don't like to admit exists, but it does. So, hey, kids, uh, maybe fire up an old operating system and start playing with a TCP IP stack because even to this day, there is still a lot of things that you can tweak in there that's going to fix a lot of problems that otherwise you're going to be bashing your head against a wall for a very I'm, long time. I'm surprised. What, what OS were those servers running, Josh? 2012 R2. Really? Wow. Yes. Ours were a mix of 2003 and 8. I mean, that should, if they're all on 2012 R2, that should just work. Like, oh, it should just well, work. How many yeah. times have I heard that? If anything, it just if, work. If, if I've learned anything from running the network in this office, is that <laughs> it doesn't just work. <laughs> right? There's, our gigabit network runs at 30 megs per second between some systems. Yeah. And some systems runs at 110 megs per second. Yeah. So clearly, and they're all running Windows 8.1. We should do some like Wireshark. We should just hammer shit we should just it catch. doesn't work we and replace it, it with something else until it works yes that's not how you reduce the mtu no that's how we do it do it anyways reduce it to pulp josh what do you got uh you know i, I i've been using this stuff uh quite a bit in the past week and i noticed uh as an interesting side effect once i started wiping it off of the aluminum heatsink, it started to actually polish it Ooh, so nice. this is uh, arctic silver mx4 it's not only carbon-based thermal compound you can polish your aluminum with it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what 20 is it? grams for 20 bucks. What is supposed is to lot, be... Isn't it? Is that supposed that's to... Good. Oh, it's carbon-based. Yeah. Like diamonds. Yeah, that's basically So diamonds. they don't even have silver flake in there anymore? I used to Not use in this version. Silver. No, that's ah. carbon-based. So that is more like diamond. It yes, yeah. Ooh, yeah. it comes in a box. Like a oh come on! Card. Remember when they were telling us that carbon black would be the looks next like best? Uh... Yeah, I mean, well, diamond. I mean, carbon <laughs> in a lattice well, that looks like yes, a diamond. Yes, if I could that's afford a diamond heat spreader, I would get one. That's the best heat conductor. So yeah, that's that's <laughs> ten diamonds? on the scale. Right? Isn't it like a well? That's, that's hard. Some on hardness. my head. But it's also very, very it's also whatever I forgot what the yeah. there's a thermal conductivity number for that. That's and like diamond is up there. Diamond's the highest. Oh, yeah. Diamond's really? way up there. Yeah. Diamond has the highest thermal con- conductivity. Yeah, graphene. and We should make all of our wires out of diamond. We, sh- well, we should. What? That it's yeah. not. A yeah, De Beers con- is going to have something to but say about that. But it doesn't conduct that. electricity. <laughs> oh, Monster oh, Cable is going to get upset. Heat conductor. Oh, okay. Right, thermal conductor, not. That makes more sense. Yeah. I was, trying, well, I was thinking, I was thinking talking metals. about conductors. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about I was one thinking kind. about metals. I was heat. like, really? Diamond? No. Over like it's not a semiconductor. It's a full conductor. <laughs> yeah. Diamond yeah. is a semiconductor. All right. You have to dope it. So 20 bucks for 20 grams. That'll last you a lot of processor installs. A lot. Quite but or less so if you're polishing. Yeah. If you use it just for polishing, then yeah. That's you, true. You, you use it, some sandpaper and some... Arctic ceramic and lap your. So when's the last time anybody yeah. ever did any wet lapping with the heat sink? Never. Oh, it's been a few years. It's been a long time. Never. It's been a long time. Maybe or more the top of a processor. Hmm? Maybe mm-hmm. Maury should try that next. Maury should well, definitely Maury's try that. Maury should just stay away from the sockets <laughs> of any motherboard and CPU. I'm serious. It's just bad. Maury yep. needs BGA in his life. Yeah. All right. Uh, Alan, oh, your last. Super 6168 is Red Hard OCP's alternative thermal conductors oh, review. Oh, the real mayo? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The mayo and cheese? Toothpaste. Yeah, I just used toothpaste. I thought the it thermal worked. paste was toothpaste. 
Wait, is that you, icy hot? Go ahead. <laughs> you should use the Arctic Silver and put some on your toothbrush, Ryan. Yeah. Think see. about the polishing you could do with the carbon stuff. Makes your teeth so so silver. I mean, white. No, get the carbon I mean, one, then we're fine. Then they'd just be black. White is good. Uh, Alan, right. what's your pick? So having used the Oculus now... You used it for 12 minutes. I used it for 12 minutes. I am a believer, but not to the point of running out and buying one. I'm a believer to the point where the developers need to get off their butts and start making cool games for it so that it actually starts to catch on. Because there's a lot of potential there. Like a real lot of potential. Can you imagine how much Alan would be on Facebook once they port Facebook to the Facebook Rift? No. Man, that's a just, horrible you, you, idea. You just set him in a chair in a corner. Listen, have his little, have, I don't, have his little thing I don't in, need, you won't see him for I don't need One birthday notifications and cat videos showing up in then 3D. Why you put it in my feed? I don't need it. I need. Th- I don't put it in like your feed. you're walking through a museum, an art gallery of posts, and you're looking around. Oh, look <laughs> at the fluffy kitten. No. I definitely hmm. need 3D look, this cat person, videos. This uh, person rated as no. a whatever. I definitely need 3D cat videos. No. But I want like a 3D version of like the more recent remake of the Speed Racer movie. Like I want to play, I want to drive. You're literally the only on person who liked that remake. I liked the, I, no. Listen, awful. I only liked the 3D CGI portions of like the car driving. I, I didn't even of see it. it. That's the only parts I liked. I didn't like the character stuff. Was just goofy to me. But like I like 3D. You know, it was a colorful scene like you know just go watch tron again or something. take your favorite recreational chemical uh, um, one yeah go watch imagine imagine <laughs> imagine That's a tron the only way you're going to enjoy it imagine a tron legacy light cycle scene playing on that it'd be cool Way that would be amazing yeah, to beat the yeah. old arcade game but see i don't want to watch movies on it like I, oh no i don't want to watch a mo- just a, like a just regular movie no like, but what about game? cat videos no 3d cat videos no yes. still no It'd be like you could have all the cats you wanted. I have cats. But you could have more than two, but you wouldn't have to feed them. Because when you turn it off, like, I don't care. Those cats are dead. That's true. I'm going to kill the cats. (laughs) Oh, that poor Tamagotchi. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Mm. Actually, one of the demos had a character like that. The one uh, I showed you, Ken. VR simulations. Okay. Yeah, we can do that, too. Yeah. All right. Um, So we're at the end of the show. This is the part where I have to pick a winner. If you hadn't gone to the EVGA contest yet... It is too late for you. So, Ken, don't show anything that I'm about to show here. Like uh, this? Yes, like that. Don't do oh, that. Okay. So I'm going to go over here to random.org. Everybody's favorite random selection spot. That's true. How many and people? And let's see. We start at 8334, and we go to 8495, and we pick our button pick our button we hit the button we pick our winner 8423 Josh Tech <laughs> no no Josh yeah, Josh not a registered user you're a winner to, ah I'm edit that part out yeah that's uh, okay they can't I'm edit it. that part there's out. emails and uh, IPs Steve yeah, McGinnis that Steve, sounds like a fake name Steve not, McGinnis not Gabe, that is a fan not name. Gabe McGinnis uh, you Steve. have won uh, the EVGA X10. Uh, is he in the chat? The Twerks. Are X10. you in the chat, Steve McGinnis? So I will uh, leave your name up. And again, if you uh, you didn't win the mouse, I'm, I'm very sorry. I wish I had mice for everybody. Uh, but if you go to PCPro.com and you look for the post that is titled 
podcast listeners and viewers win an EVGA Hadron Air case, you can still fill out that form. And on next week's show, we'll announce the winner of the EVGA Hadron Air Mini ITX case. So you still have time to, to enter for that. Even if you didn't watch a live stream, if you're listening to this after the fact or watching it on YouTube, uh, I will put a link in the YouTube description for that. Um, uh, another reminder, pcpro.com slash podcast. It's where you can find the RSS feeds, the MP3 files, uh, ways to subscribe, past episodes. Uh, YouTube.com slash pcpers where we have all of our U- podcast videos as well as all the other videos we do, which we've been doing a lot of recently. Uh, and then, of course, pcpro.com slash live. Uh, if you want to watch us do this live, you can sign up for a mailing list uh, on pcpro.com slash subscribe. We've got all kinds of URLs for you to go to uh, and uh, enjoy our wonderful, wonderful content built by all these people, plus more people who aren't on the show. Uh, so that's it. We will see you guys next week. We may have an odd show. Uh, Alan and I are both going to be out of town, uh, but we'll see who's going to be on Skype still to do the show from their various locations. Uh, but for now, I'm Ryan Trout. I'm Jeremy Hallstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Valentano. Bye, guys. Bye.